This is the Relevant Podcast. It's Friday, January 8th, 2021, and it's the Relevant Podcast. Here in Orlando, I'm your host, Cameron Strang. And before I introduce the cast, I just want to give you the context of when we recorded this episode. What you're about to hear was recorded this past Wednesday morning. Why is that important? The world changed Wednesday afternoon. Obviously, the national conversation, which we've been covering at length on our social media and at our site, um, the national conversation is different than the show you're about to hear. So if you want to break from all that news, enjoy today's episode of The Relevant Podcast. Joining me from Loverland, Virginia, it's Jesse Carey. Hello, hello. From Nashville, Tennessee, artist, producer, mogul, Derek Miner. What up, though? And joining us for the next two episodes, sitting in for Jamie Ivey, who is unavailable, our friend, author from uh, California, Kristen Howerton. Hey, Kristen. Hey, guys. Uh, before we get going, Kristen, I saw your byline in the New York Times last week. Did I not? You did. Yes. Oh, wow. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. What, what what tell everybody what you wrote about if they missed it well i wrote a piece it was an opinion piece just about how i hate the mom that covid has made me and it was um you know really just about how you know at this age i have i have teenagers and at this age you know they should be out socializing and being with their friends and i'm just having to be like a really you know social executioner at this stage because of COVID. <laughs> so, you know, I'm following them around, making sure they're wearing masks. I'm not letting them hang with friends. And it just, it feels like garbage for them and for me, um, which I think is a thing that a lot of parents can relate to right now. It's like, none of us want to be this heavy handed, but you know, there's a pandemic. And of course, teenagers think they're invincible and that we're just being lame. Do they, so. do they get it or they, does it cause friction in the family or is it, are yeah, they like I mean, understanding? Both. It's like, I think that they get it on a cognitive level. But, you know, when you're a teen, you can get something and then also feel like, but but I also want to hang out with my friends. And <laughs> it's hard because, you know, n- no one's on the same page. We don't have great leadership on what we're all supposed to be doing. So mm. they feel do like, tell. Can you get more into that, please? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, You know, I mean, we it, even in our community and I know this is true everywhere. There are people that are fully quarantined, not leaving the house. And there are people who are living like there's no pandemic and they feel like I'm the most strict, most concerned mom ever. I don't think that's true. I I actually think, you know, I will let them go outside. And um, but, you know, they're just they they feel like they're the only kids that are, you know, quarantined and that everyone else is hanging out without them. And, I, you know. <laughs> I, I, I feel for them in that. You you're li- you live in Southern California where literally it's on national news. Your hospitals are at complete capacity yeah. to the level that your medical leaders are saying, if even if you don't have COVID, if you have a heart yeah. attack, if you have a broken bone, you get in a car accident, we don't have anywhere to put you. Like like yeah. COVID has overtaken the, the, the medical industry in Southern California. Your kids, you know, <laughs> you being a, like like keeping them safe makes sense for a lot of reasons, not just COVID, yeah. you know. But, you know, they're teenagers and they're like, yeah, that's a bummer. But also all my friends are at the skate park and I want to be there. Uh, you know, yeah. I, I get it. I mean, I would have been yeah. the same way as a teenager. You know, you're and I think they you know, it's they they vacillate between empathy and understanding and then like. But all my friends are hanging out and we're the only ones taking this seriously. And that's tough. That's a tough, that's tough as an adult. So I keep trying to tell them like, guys, someday we're going to look back on this and we're going to know the full death count and how bad this was. And, you know, you're going to be an adult and you're going to look back and say, well, we were on the right side of history. We did the right thing versus looking back and going like, wow, my parents just let me have sleepovers that entire time. So yeah, yeah. Well, and, and I think I think the position you're in is a position whether you have uh, kids or teenagers or you know everyone kind of has to be like that parent to someone in their yeah. life that's like 
Bro, I don't know if going to watch a football game at a at a sports bar is the most prudent decision right now. You right. Know, like, I don't want to have to tell that to my buds on a text thread, but it's like I kind of feel some social responsibility to not be like uh, the lame dude, but also like, uh, guys, can we just set up a Zoom thing and we'll watch it like that and talk trash over text? You Listen, know, like, guys, y- yeah, I got young kids and. My oldest, no, my youngest son would probably stab you with a Lego sword to go to Chuck E. Cheese right now. <laughs> like, it's just like every yeah. day. It, 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 I, and I hate having to tell him, like, nobody, we can't do that. Or, you know, we have um, uh, my nephew, he kind of has like some health issues. And we have, they're used to hanging out with him a lot. And they're like, can we go over to to our cousin's house? And I'm like, nah, buddy, they, they, they can't. You know what I mean? And that, that sucks. And I, like literally every night I pray and read the Bible with my kids. And every night their prayer is, please let COVID be over. Same. Tomorrow. Same. Like, That's literally my son's <laughs> prayer every night. Yeah. Every but, night. I'm, but I'm, but even with little kids, though, you know, you're talking, Kristen, about your older kids. Little kids, like uh, my son's good friend, they see each other all the time. His good friend had COVID. His that friend's mom has cancer and is in chemo, had got COVID. And, uh, you know, now all of a sudden we're having to go get tested and stuff. You know what I'm saying? But like the kids are transmitting it. And it's not about necessarily the kids. It's it's the vulnerable parents and grandparents that the kids aren't thinking about. You know, I I had a kid over here the other day and literally had the television remote in their mouth. Okay, (laughs) even in non pandemic times, I'd be pretty certain that's a good way to get some kind of illness. Something that people just fiddle with with their hand, and you pass it along. Oh, let me see the remote. Hey, I need to turn something on. Literally with it in their mouth, like it was a candy bar. It's like okay, I, I think we've you know I think we've realized patient zero of the next pandemic. Now I, gotta, <laughs> I worry about that now. So so yeah, there it is like a lot of a lot of risks we never had to think about. But hey, Kristen, good for you. What is the hey? What is the reaction been to the New York Times piece? As people reach out and kind of related to the the kind of inner tension you feel? Yeah. I mean, I think the piece was really well received by a lot of parents because I think we're all in the same boat and I didn't write it from a standpoint of judgment. You know, I was just, I was really vulnerable. Like, Hey, this, you know, this is hard. And I, and I, I change my standards. You know, I will start to feel guilty and then I'll be like, okay, fine. You can go to the skate park, but leave a mask on. And then I'll, you know, watch what's happening in the news with with our healthcare system and be like, okay, we're not leaving the house this week. And, you know, I don't have all the answers either. I mean, I'm going week by week. And, you know, a lot of it is like, how guilty do I feel, you know, in, in regards to the teenagers versus how socially responsible do I feel? And it's, I think all of us are, are just navigating this the best we can with a lot of confusion and a lot of guilt. Here, one thing I found that was really helpful is to entertain young children with other things during this time when they can't go out and play with their friends. I gave a kid who couldn't be more than nine a can of beans and a can opener. I said, have fun. Oh, have fun. I've this heard is about this game. I've heard about this game. <laughs> what could go wrong? And I'm going to tweet yeah. about it. And so yeah. we'll see. I had a nice thread about it. And I hope that gets some some attention this week as a fun alternative to go yeah. out and play with your friends. What could go wrong? I think you're well, going to get a great reaction. I think so too i'm very yeah. hopeful about 2021 i think it's off to a great start uh, yeah. well listen uh, listen yeah. if, if y'all are feeling stir crazy just come visit us here in florida where it's like nothing's happening you can go to a theme park you can go to an orlando magic game you can go to church do whatever you feel like here in florida it's the wild west nobody cares except for the fifteen thousand people who got positive yesterday so tennessee you know. as well uh, tennessee is like look i don't even Thing. They even send masks to Tennessee. They're not sending <laughs> <laughs> like we're not even sending anything out. See, out that's there. A, like we've had schools closed for like months. We, you know, if you drive around at night, there's just not that I many people even on the road. I drive by people with masks on, and they're in their car by themselves. You know, and I'm like, hey, good for. I mean, you're zooming down the highway. Who knows who's gonna fly in the? Who knows particles are gonna fly through the ventilation? You know, safety first. <laughs> So the, I told you my kid, close friend, contact tracing, we go to get a test the other day and I'm taking him who I think is a pretty good probability that kid with COVID played with friend played with you. You probably have it or something. I'm taking him to get tested. Right. 
And I'm thinking to myself, as we're walking to the car, what am I supposed to do here? Like, if I don't have it, I'm going to get into a closed, tiny space with my son. With So I, we're dry, I wore a mask, drove with the windows down, and made him be like a dog with his head out the window as we drove no, to the test. Yes, did I did. Yes, I did. Camera. What am I supposed to do? I don't want him oh. bre- breathing on me. <laughs> I have no judgment. I would do the same. I would do the same. I was I like, have that kid sleep in the garage. So I'm saying, I had to transport him somehow. Yeah. I yeah, we look play anyway. All right. Well, we have a great show in store for you today. This is awesome. Coming up later, we have the chief creative officer of Pixar, the co-director of Disney's brand new movie, Soul. Pete Doctor is joining us. You know, just a guy who's changing the world. He was a guy behind Up. He was a guy behind Inside oh, Out. man. Okay. And now Soul. So, you know. The heavy hitters starting 2021 right. Uh, we also have some news. We're going to be evolving the Friday show a little bit. So as you've known through 2020, we introduced relevant news and then we had a guest and, and that was it. 2021, we're shaking things up. We are still going to have Tyler on to bring relevant news, but it's just going to be one item each week. We're just getting to the, the cream of the crop. Uh, with relevant news we're also introducing a new segment uh relevant recommends each week each friday we're going to be picking a movie an album a book a tv show that we're excited about we're also kicking off a new relevant recommends column every friday at relevantmagazine.com which will have kind of what we're into this week so that is going to come up later in the show we have our wellness segment it's new year's resolutions it's january it's a perfect time for this content our very own Tyler Huckabee talks to Lecrae about exercise and staying healthy during quarantine. It is brought to you by our friends at UHSM. Don't miss it. It's a great one. And then y'all have been asking for something like this. We're finally doing it. Uh, at the end of the show, it's a debut edition of our new segment, What's Jesse Thinking? Jesse, yes. you want to tell everybody what this is about? Yeah. And I, I so, so Cameron and I talked about it earlier this week. And, and we like, there's a lot of things that I'm interested in that just don't have a, like, any, any, they're not particularly newsworthy. So it's kind of hard to bring up in slices. And if they don't, if there's not some hook into everyday life where we could just bring it up and kind of chit chat banter, right. it just sits in the recesses of my mind. To bring it up. <laughs> friends who I just accost <laughs> friends with hey do you hear about this weird internet rabbit hole things I spend so when I can't sleep which is frequently these days I am I'm going down Wikipedia rabbit holes I love them I love interesting <laughs> stuff that a lot of people if they knew about they would be obsessed with right like there's so much cool stuff out there but because of you know all the, the bean dad stories and <laughs> you know uh, uh, filibusters or whatever we occupy our, our minds with other things. This segment is a way to push out some of those stressful things with super, super interesting stuff that you probably don't know about. And it, it, I don't want to build it up too much, but I'm really excited about the first one. Hopefully it sets the tone. Hopefully you guys dig it. And love it. Up later. That is, that'll be on every Friday show from now on. All right. Well, stay tuned. Coming up next, it's relevant news. I was on fire for you. Where did you go? You're listening to Cannons. The song is Fire for You. Okay, please welcome to the show relevant senior editor Tyler Huckabee for this week's edition of Relevant Hey, Tyler. Hey, everybody. What's going on this week? Well, we're recording this on Wednesday, and there's what everybody's talking about today on the timeline is uh, is what happened on Tuesday night in Georgia, where the Democrats clinched votes of their runoff elections and are poised to take control of the Senate here in a couple of weeks. Uh, right now, uh, Reverend Raphael Warnock is confirmed to protect; he's protected to win, and it's looking uh, it looks like Ossoff is going to win as well. Uh, so, I want to talk about Warnock a little bit because he he really falls into the relevant lane in some interesting ways. We've talked about him before a little bit, particularly regarding his opponent's, uh, we'll say, racist attacks on his character and things that he stands for. But this is also going to be, he he's, he told CNN uh, here Wednesday morning that he plans to continue to preach, be preaching at his church on Sunday mornings. He's going to be pulling double duty as wow. a state senator and as a pastor. He tends to be. He's the, the pastor at Ebenezer Church. It's a historically extremely important church in 
in Georgia. It's the church where Martin Luther King Jr. was the pastor. Uh, he, I just came across, he was, he was on Morning Joe this morning, and they asked him uh, about how being a pastor will inform his approach to uniting people in a divided time. And he said, listen, if you've ever had to get folks who like anthems and folks who like contemporary gospel music to work together, you can do anything. And that's very uh, hmm. emblematic of his approach. He's, he's extremely open and very vocal about his work in the church and how much that informs his political beliefs. He's very much in the vein of Dr. King. He's a big proponent of expanding voting rights, expanding Medicaid, fighting poverty. He opposes the death penalty. Uh, he said uh, he was on CNN and uh, he said, the last thing I want to do is become disconnected from the community and just spend all of my time talking to politicians. I might accidentally become one. That's mm. why I intend to return to the pulpit and preach on Sunday mornings. So this is going to be new. This is he's poised to become probably the most prominent and visible uh, figure in the black church on the political stage right now. And uh, that's going to be sort of, that's going to be very different uh, and probably kind of revolutionary for the body politic here in the U.S. I, I heard that uh, John Lewis was a parishioner of that's right of his church, and and John Lewis, who passed away, you know, recently, obviously, uh, you know, was known as the conscious of the Senate. And I'm wondering if he's going to step into that role, you know, like kind of be that spiritual voice in the in the halls of power. Yeah, I, that's this. I'm just gonna be honest. This is the most black pastor thing in the world. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? Like, look, Unpack that. Unpack we got that. a we got a pastor. We got a pastor here in Nashville. He has five churches, uh, five locations. I think it's five. Yeah, and he preaches. No, he does five services. He preaches all five of them at three three different locations. Pastor Joseph Walker just and, drives around. Yep. Yeah, jo Joseph Walker is like when you like someone like Warnock who like when you look at what he's accomplished, like the level of being driven, like I I knew Warnock was not going to not preach because that that's his passion. I it, it would seem that preaching is his passion, being with the people is what led him to politics, not the other way around. Like okay, preaching mm -hmm. was a stepping stone. Now I'm in politics. Now I let preaching go. It 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 seemed like the the opposite with you know like he's passionate about that. So you know I never met him, but that's what it seems. But I was like, yo, this this is this is uh Black pastor, baby. <laughs> that's what we do. We get stuff done. It seems like preaching, that's like a good skill to keep sharp, especially if you're a politician, because like, you know, Tyler, you could probably relate to this too. You know, I've interviewed over the years, thousands of different people, right? Mm -hmm. But consistently, when you talk to a lot of pastors, they're very articulate. They, they're the interviews are really clean transcriptions, which is so, mm -hmm. something only a nerd editor would care about. Like, <laughs> there's a sentence that works standalone perfectly because I feel like preaching forces you and I'm not a preacher, but I can only imagine that prepping and actually executing sermons forces you to constantly refine how you communicate and get big points across and are relatable and are funny. So I think, you know, someone who is a preacher and who will continue to preach as a politician just by virtue of someone who has mastered that type of communication, I feel like it can be a real asset personally. Oh, yeah. And here's the thing in a black church, like not just doing those things, but in a, because one thing I can tell you about black people is we're going to let you know how we feel. Like that's what it is. So if he, <laughs> like, we're not going to be like, Oh, that was kind of off. We go somebody, some grandmama in a, in a big old hat, big old white hat is going to pull you over and say, uh, I don't think that was it, you know? So the, the fact that he's been able to preach at a historic church like that for as long as he's done and right. make this a, like, there's no way like, yeah, this it's an excellent, he's a brilliant man. Like you have to give that to him. And, and I'm, I'm excited to see what he does. You know, I, I hope, I hope that uh, things work out great for him. 
And you can even kind of see that in how he's responded to a lot of the criticisms that he's received, particularly from his opponent. There's this sort of political way of bouncing back against political attacks, which is where you do the, well, I understand the concerns of my opponent. Yeah. I know and the American people know, you know, and it's we all and we're kind of like, eh, yada, yada. And uh, and he he has a very different, very forceful, I would say very uh, a lot of conviction in how he comes back and just tells them to shut up. <laughs> Not in so many words, but, but closer to shut up than most politicians are going to go well well the other thing too is like at least pastors are you know to your point derek are willing to address criticism straightforward because when i watch an interview with a politician and they just act like the person asked them a question that is completely unrelated to what was actually asked and they just start talking about something different like if i were to say to tyler hey i want you to unpack your thoughts about the green new deal and you just launched into a thing about you know the covid vaccine or whatever like that's just common practice right now let's just yeah. ignore what it's so infuriating saying. yeah mm-hmm. because, but it happens all the time well with a pastor to Derek's point they got to deal with this every sunday they know how to address the concerns of someone talking to them without dancing around because this is part of I, what i would presume is a pretty big part of the job is have there to, to answer critics in a way that's going to satisfy them enough that they'll keep coming to your church listen right. and if if you, you i tell you what if I had a choice between answering somebody about the Green New Deal or uh, answering uh, Deacon Jones about what you're going to do about that trash in the back of the church, <laughs> give me the Green New Deal every day. But Deacon Jones, Deacon Jones is not going to pull no punches. You no. know what I mean? Green New Deal, you you know, you know can kind of connive and, and move out of that, but Deacon Jones, he ain't playing with you. But, but and, look, and, yeah. and, and, and Sister Ethel is not going to be playing about uh about what you're going to do about Mother's Day. Like, I'm telling yeah. you, like, if hey. handling black church is, you can handle politics if you can handle black church i'm not worried about that Look, that pipe organ ain't fixing itself so what you got pastor <laughs> so you dodge this one exactly. i wonder i wonder i love what he's saying though about staying rooted you know like with the community uh, and not yep. and it's like almost not being in the echo chamber and and changing his perspective mm-hmm. i mean that's brilliant to it's almost like intentional humility mm-hmm. i mean i some of them, maybe more leaders need to embrace like bivocational politics, bivocational church leadership, like maybe like have one foot in the leadership space and one foot in the space that'll keep you grounded to what's happening out there. You know, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. I've had an idea for a reality series, sort of like Undercover Billionaire or like uh-huh. Undercover Boss or whatever, where uh-huh. they send in like the CEO of some big corporation to like work at the cash register with like a fake mustache on to learn what it's like to like they should send pastors out. Like I'm talking big mega church pastors. I want to see Andy Stanley work in a mechanics garage for a week and see if his perspective on yeah. you know kind of reaching the every man or or every woman is changed because I feel like there's a Lot, and I'm not picking on Andy Stanley. It's just because he's a big name. Uh, he, he actually seems like a reasonably down to earth guy. But I think, I, I, I to, to your point, Cameron, I think having your foot in two worlds, especially for people that are in ministry, because from what I've observed, and I think this is, uh, you know, contributes to accountability problems that we've seen unfold repeatedly is that the bigger and more influential pastors or leaders get, the more isolated they are from the Absolutely. people that are, you know, listening to their teachings. And they're surrounded sure. by yes men. And that's, yeah. a, yes. that's dangerous too. Everybody in your orbit is on your payroll, you know, like. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And so put them in another vocation or it doesn't have to be a gimmick like undercover boss, but actually have them like, hey, maybe it's not a bad idea for a pastor to have a part time job waiting tables to see what it's like. Like, it's real easy to do a sermon about serving people when they treat you poorly. Mm-hmm. How about actually serving people when they treat you poorly and see if it shapes your teaching on it a little, you know? Yeah, yeah. I like it. Maybe you get maybe instead it's just, it just follows Joel Houston as he takes on every single possible role in Church. <laughs> and he's under his, and he's disguised he's disguised but it's like clearly Joel Houston like everybody just kind of like this is his thing just it's yeah. for a TV show just How pretend you don't recognize episode him. episode one on T premiering TBN on Sunday mornings after church the first episode is Joel Osteen gets a job as like a dental hygienist for obvious reasons I mean it's a very right not, like, for the discount he's no, doing it for the discount he wants the yeah yeah <laughs> this guy this guy knows the field he's not gonna it's not gonna raise any red flags but just right. come down there in the trenches film it for a couple weeks see what we get you know yeah i'd watch it that'd be good I all right watch that. 
Well, look at that. Look, look at the shorter, the new, the all new, refreshed, relevant news. For more stuff like that, we're covering it every day over at relevantmagazine.com. Follow us on the socials. Check out the site. Tyler's got his finger on the pulse of what's happening at the intersection of faith and culture. Thanks, Tyler. Hey, thanks, everybody. Oh, and uh, the listeners will hear you later in the show with this week's relevant recommends, huh? Mm-hmm. Stay tuned. All right. There you go. Okay. Stay tuned. Up next, Pete Doctor joins us. You're listening to Gorillas. The song is The Lost Chord featuring Lee John. Well, today's episode is brought to you by podcast creation platform, Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor yet, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. First of all, it's free. There are custom tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will then distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and every major platform. The cool thing is you can also make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Well, Pete Doctor is the co-director of Soul and the chief creative officer at Pixar. The Oscar-winning director was the man behind Pixar classics like Monsters, Inc., Up!, and Inside Out. We sat down with him and soul producer Dana Murray recently to talk about the film and the steps Pixar uses to create unforgettable movies. Here's our conversation with Pete Doctor and Dana Murray. There's a soul missing. Is this heaven? No. Is it H E double hockey sticks? Hell, hell, hell. Quiet coyotes. <laughs> no, it's the great before. This is where new souls get their personalities, quirks, and interest before they go to Earth. Here we are. Don't worry. You can't crush a soul here. That's what life on Earth is for. The afterlife was especially like danger, danger, danger. You know, there's a lot of pitfalls and things that we could have stuck our foot in by accident. We did start the whole process. I think was one of the first things we did was talking to a lot of different religious consultants, um, pastors, theologians, uh, rabbis. Uh, we had a couple of people from who, like shaman even who came in and just we tried to understand from every angle how uh, people across time have understood the soul and what does it look like? Are there any clues to us in terms of the design that we can use? And and um, we actually ended up staying away from the afterlife. There's, of course, the sort of um, cliche of like going towards the bright light um that we we did and i don't dana do you remember there was an early script where i actually v- wrote in um the, the voice of god which yeah. uh we were like um, uh, why not a good idea pete <laughs> well i was thinking like okay if, if we're talking about why live why am i here why am i not getting what i want it's sort of a job like story and i i thought oh it'd be fun to have never referred to him or her. And, and in fact, every line, I thought this was horribly clever, that every line would be spoken by someone else. So it would be a woman, it'd be a kid, it would be a, you know, all ethnicities and races. And, and um, yeah, that was one of the first things to like cut that. And probably good because, you know, the characters like us have to figure things out themselves as opposed to be told. <laughs> took it on as a huge responsibility to, you know, uh, portray Joe and the rest of the cast, you know, truthful and authentic. And, um, I, I, I think that 22 walking in Joe's shoes is like really special because we got to go into these black spaces, like the barber shop, um, the tailor shop with Joe's mom. And I think, um, the Joe is a universal, he's going through something that's very universal and something I think all of us, if we haven't felt in our life, probably will at some point. 
Um, and so I think he's, he's a character that so many people can connect to. Um, and, and, and culturally we just, we wanted to make, um, the black community proud. So we, we brought on a lot of help. We had a ton of consultants and a culture trust and, you know, our, our co-director and writer Kemp Powers, who wish he could be here is a sick puppy right now. But, um, he, you know, they were all, all these voices were such a huge part in making these characters who they were. And so, um, it was, it's very important to us to portray them in a, um, truthful way. Yeah, in fact, we I think our, our initial concern was about religion. The longer term concern, the bigger one became more about race and, and representing culture because there are a lot of pitfalls and, you know, things that we didn't even know we didn't know. Look, I remember one time my dad took me to this jazz club and that's the last place I wanted to be. But then I see this guy and he's playing his chords with force on it. And then with a minor, I was, whoa, 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 whoa. Then he has the inner voices and it's like he's... It's like he's singing. And I swear the next thing I know, it, 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 it's like he floats off the stage. Bad or good, I'm, uh, we didn't set out to make this the first African-American character. It was really out of the decision that this guy who kind of reflects the artist's journey should be a jazz musician. You know, and one of our consultants said, oh, jazz, you could more accurately call black improvisational music, right? It grew out of the African-American culture. And we thought, well, it's only right then to have our main character reflect that. Um, and as soon as we made that decision, I don't think I knew how little I didn't know. Or is that the right way of saying it? Anyway, there was a lot that we needed help with. <laughs> and Kemp Powers, as Dana mentioned, uh, was formative in bringing a lot of those details but we also had uh extensive cultural um, consultants as well people talking just about the black experience people talking about music and you know, we got to meet and work with herbie hancock and quincy jones and you know these living legends which was just fascinating and and mind-blowing um but it was a huge responsibility that we knew uh that we wanted to portray this life of this man as accurately as we could not just because it's the right thing to do but because the movie gets better you know when you talk about those things in an accurate specific way strangely i think it becomes more universal the more specific it is um so um we we had a lot of the benefit of a lot of really great people that helped us um and it was it was a great learning experience lately that you know I, when I started in animation it was all about the joy that I got out of it and now I realize that one of the great joys of it is the ability for Dana and I and the rest of our crew to connect with people we will never meet in parts of the world we will never go you know through the work that we do we have this amazing ability to connect people um, as well as I think animation has a, a wonderful uh, ability I guess filmmaking and storytelling in general to allow uh, the viewers to step into somebody else's shoes and experience life from a perspective that they have not been in themselves. So those are um, the, I think most important things for me is just representing the world as, as it sort of seems to me and that I'm struggling with in hopes that you will see yourself in there as well. Yeah. Sometimes we don't even know that. Like I remember after inside out, um, getting letters and stories from people like who uh, like psychologists who are working with traumatized children. And the only way these children could express themselves is by using the, the dolls or sorry, the stuffies, like the characters of all the emotions. And I, that was kind of like crazy to hear. Cause you just, you don't, you don't know how these are going to impact people until really afterwards. Like while you're making them, you're just so focused and busy doing it that it's it's not till later sometimes that you can take it in I think 
there is a uh, oftentimes a narrative of like just find what you love and do it and you'll never work a day in your life and that'll lead to happiness and fulfillment and you're like yeah when that no <laughs> it doesn't work like that it, there are times of intense joy of course and fulfillment but it's not the answer to everything um, and so uh, I think we uh, it was really exciting as a storyteller because I think everybody believe so strongly in that narrative that when we don't give Joe the happiness and fulfillment that he's expecting, it's kind of shocking to people. Um, and in fact, we, I don't know that we really ever pulled this off, Dana, but the hope was that the word spark would be reversed in a way that at the beginning, Joe assumes like hopefully the audience that spark is the thing you love that is, is your passion, music or uh, science or, you know, whatever those specific things. But in the end, spark really means life you know that your job is not to just do this one thing but your job is to live you know in all the complexity and and uh, nuance that that entails beyond christianity i think uh, a a major goal of any faith is to try to bring sense for people uh in in their lives you know um the idea of how do i know what i'm supposed to do am am i making the right decisions you know all those things are complicated and it's uh super helpful to have help (laughs) along the way i think um the message of the film is you know we we I actually feel like it's maybe more of a philosophical film than a theological one you know we start with uh, essentialism the idea that I was born to do this you know sort of out of straight out of Aristotle or Plato and then we get to counter with the to me the the humor of uh, twenty two is her nihilism you know the sort of ultimate meaninglessness of it all um, and I think where we come to in the end is ex- existentialism um, you know like a Soren Kierkegaard kind of thing of Hey, uh, it's not just meant to be localized over here and then the rest of my life happens. You know, all of life is spiritual. Everything you do uh, contributes to who you are as a person and to the overall meaning of your life. Um, and I know I'm, I still struggle with that daily, um, but I, I feel like having the chance to work on this film was a great reminder daily again how I can be bringing my full self into everything and being more present. That was Pete Doctor and Dana Murray. Stay tuned. Up next, it's our wellness conversation with Lecrae. Listening to Jelani Aria. The song is Stella Brown. Well, it's time for actually the final uh, edition of our weekly wellness segment. We talk to a hip hop artist, producer, uh, label owner, uh, thinker, leader, Lecrae. We actually talk to him about quarantine and what it's done to so many of us, that how it's been challenging to stay healthy and exercise. And we thought New Year, the light being at the end of the tunnel with uh, the vaccine and quarantine, people are trying to like kind of shake off the COVID. So we talked to him about his routine and his approach to exercise and staying healthy, especially during these unusual times. It's the final installment of our weekly wellness series, which is brought to you by UHSM, member to member health sharing. See why millions are choosing this Christian alternative to traditional insurance. Ask if you qualify for UHSM membership today by calling or texting 833-367-8476 or 833-367-UHSM or visiting uhsm.com slash care. Here's our conversation with Lecrae.
Okay, so great. One thing that I appreciate about your work and about restoration, actually, is uh, how open you've been about some of your struggles with mental health and emotional health. And I was wondering if you could just give us a peek into how do you manage that? What, uh, what, what do you have any advice for people who are struggling with that as well right now? If you're a Christian, um, uh, you, you know, God has provided means for healing and restoration. And so it's, it can be supernatural. It can be a prayer and wow, look at this, everything's different. But, but oftentimes, you know, he's present in science. He's present in, in us, you know, taking the time to read uh, books by um, doctors, you know, who can, can walk us down some healthy paths. And so what I would say for people is, I'm a big advocate of meditation, um, which is not like some kind of, uh, you know, weird mystical thing, but it's clearing your mind of the clutter that is overwhelming you, whether those are anxious thoughts or sad thoughts. It's just taking the time to clear your mind. And, if you, and, it, and it could be spiritual. It could be a time where you're reflecting on how close God is to you. But mostly it's clearing your mind of the clutter. And then and then I'm also a fan of mediation, which is, is therapy, is sitting with someone, you know, even in this time where you can do telemedicine. And, and I was just on a call, you know, I do once a month check-ins with my therapist and just uh, just seeing how everything is going and how you're processing because they, they can give you insight and wisdom. And then finally, uh, medication. Um if you were diabetic, you wouldn't say, oh, I can't take insulin. God doesn't want me to do that. That God has provided a means for you to be healthy through insulin. And, and same way with medication. You may need medication, and that's a way he's providing wholeness and healing uh, for your mind. Um, but, but, if, but, but just simply, practically, I would say, make sure you're working out. Um, it, it releases the endorphins, even if it's just some push-ups. We do something. It's helpful for your mind. Also, uh, try to eat as healthy as you possibly can. You know, avoid a lot of extra carbs and sugar. It's good for your mind. And then, and then lastly, um, uh, um, I, I would say, um, you know, focus on things that, that in, bring about encouragement and freedom and life and our life giving instead of focusing on the negatives consistently. It's interesting how often you still hear this idea that that it can just, these are things that it can just be sort of like prayed away, you know, that, that it's purely a, something for the spiritual realm. I, I think we've bought into a, a false ideology there and, and that's unfortunate, but I mean, no, nobody would ever say, man, I, I, I just, I need to lose some weight, but just pray about it. Nobody would, that's not, a, it's not acceptable. And so uh, the mind is a part of the body and it, the brain is a part of the body and, and, and it, it's physical. Um, and so I think we often think of our mind as more, mostly spiritual, but it is physical. The, the mind follows the brain. And if you don't take care of the brain, then the mind um, will wander. If you don't give the brain enough sleep, the mind gets chaotic. And so you, you have to take care of it practically, physically. We are spiritual beings, so you do that as well, but you've got to do the practical, physical thing. That was Lecrae to wrap up our wellness series. Thank you to our friends at UHSM. Go check them out, uhsm.com slash care. Stay tuned. Up next, it's Relevant Recommends and the debut of What's Jesse Thinking? Welcome to the debut Relevant Recommends segment where I'll be recommending a book or a movie or a TV show or maybe even a video game uh, that we think relevant readers will be interested in, that the relevant podcast family will be interested in. And uh, this week I'm going to be recommending Jamar Tisby's How to Fight Racism. 
So something that comes up a lot when you read books about anti-racism is that now what question, right? Uh, like the arguments are really persuasive and the writing is good and the challenge is really clear, but you're still left wondering, so what can I actually do about it? And that's where Jamar Tisby's new book comes in. It's called How to Fight Racism, Courageous Christianity and the Journey towards racial justice. Now, Tisby's last really good book was called The Color of Compromise, and it was sort of a historical overview of the ties between systemic racism and the American church. This book is more of a field guide for the here and now. It describes itself as a, and this is a quote here, a handbook for pursuing racial justice with hands-on suggestions and real-world examples of change. It's really a book for people who've already taken a few steps down that racial identity journey, right? This is less about convincing people that there is an issue and more about next steps and, and how to take the fight for racial justice beyond conversation and into meaningful action. It's got good material on questions about how to talk to racism skeptics, uh, the people who just don't buy into the idea of systemic racism. Uh, in order for those conversations to be productive, Tisby really invites us to get more bold instead of less and help recruit others to disrupt racism uh, that we've sort of learned to accept as normal. The book goes beyond individual advice, too. It helps us get a better idea of how to organize in our communities, especially with local churches, to create larger, more sustainable movements that can enact change at the systemic level. Uh, I think Jamar is a really terrific communicator. He's a great writer. He intertwines moral conviction. He has this just an encyclopedic knowledge of American history that really informs a lot of his ideas here. And he has spiritual authority, too. And this creates really an early contender for one of the most vital nonfiction reads of 2021, particularly for Christians who are concerned about this very, very important fight. And I highly recommend it. It's Jamar Tisby's How to Fight Racism, Courageous Christianity, and the Journey Towards Racial Justice. So that's this week Relevant Recommends. You can read more about this and everything else we're covering today over at the homepage at relevantmagazine.com. You're listening to SZA. The song is Good Days. Okay, it's time for the debut of... Oh, oh! <laughs> That's fire. Very inquisitive. Okay, I like wow. that jingle. That play is... it again. Play it again. Do it again. Run I want to hear it again. Bike. Run that bike. What's Jesse thinking? Oh, who is the girl? Uh, Gabs, who works on staff here at Relevant. Gabs, yeah, I love very, her voice. Very well done. There you go. Very well. All right, Jesse, uh, what's it, what are you thinking this week? Okay, I want to tell you. For, for, for I've been thinking about like. Dream job scenario. Like, if you could do anything, Kristen, if you could do anything in the world as a profession, right, what mm -hmm. would it be? Ooh, um, I feel like maybe um, doing recaps of The Bachelor. But that's a great <laughs> job. I'm going to dream not big. What I would. You know, you can start a blog and just do that. Say, that one feels reasonably attainable. <laughs> do, yeah. you know? did that for a while. It was just really fun. Like, I want a job where nothing, there's no actual crisis ever. Like, if, if yeah. I completely fell down on the job and failed, it wouldn't have any relevance for anything. That's what I want. <laughs> I'm glad you brought that up because my dream job involves the highest stakes possible. And it's a high stake archaeological adventurer. And I have the perfect mission picked out for my first job. It's to find the Holy Grail. And guys, I have a rabbit hole that goes so deep. Oh boy. And it's so oh, no. I'm going to give you a couple things that this involves. Okay? Okay. Monks that have taken a, a vow never to leave the actual site of a church and are also trained as ninjas. That's interesting thing, number one. Two, wow. an island in an inland ocean in Ethiopia where there are a group of monks who haven't seen women in decades and not even women are permitted to get within a, a, a radius uh, of this <laughs> island because these because of the philosophy of these monks. Also, the true location of the Holy Grail and the original Ten Commandments. Are you guys in on this? Uh, yes. Okay. So sounds like a show I'd watch on Netflix. Thank you. And and obviously I obviously my adventure to uncover the real truth and probably fight a monk in hand to hand combat will be at the center of this show as part of my new high stakes job. Um, now, uh, so in Ethiopia, there is uh, Ethiopia has long had a a a really thriving Jewish population. I don't know if you guys got to see the movie that it was the Chris Evan movies. I was out on Netflix uh, earlier. I think it was earlier 
premiered this past year called Red Sea Diving Resort. And it, the, the plot of the film is he is a Mossad agent that has to figure out how to get uh, this Jewish population out of Ethiopia and actually get them to the Holy Land because they're facing just crazy persecution mm-hmm. in Ethiopia. It's a really mm-hmm. fascinating story. But it, I went after watching that movie a few months ago, I went down the rabbit hole to kind of learn the history of why Ethiopia has this giant Jewish population of of, of Ethiopians. Uh, you know, how w- what's kind of the history of that? But as I was going down that rabbit hole, I found that one of the prevailing theories about the, 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 the actual location of the real Holy Grail in the Ten Commandments is in a secret church in Ethiopia. Derek, you're nodding your head. Do you know this story? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean, the first convert was Ethiopian convert in the Bible, right? The, yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. So, 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 you know, dating back to the times of, of Jesus, actually dating back to the time of Solomon is where this story actually has its roots. Mm-hmm. So the, according to kind of the historical lore, the queen of Sheba uh, went to go visit King Solomon and to kind of glean his wisdom while she was there, kind of read between the lines here, became pregnant with their with their son. The Queen of Sheba and, and Solomon, according to kind of the legend, uh, had a son who went back to Ethiopia and kind of established this kind of Jewish roots in the country. Um, now, the during the Babylonian takeover of the, the Temple of Solomon uh, back in like the, you know, 400 B.C., the Ark of the Covenant, where, where where it was stored, was stolen, and no one knows where it's been since. Now, the son of the you know kind of the the this Jewish population in Ethiopia took it upon themselves to not only recover the 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 Holy Grail, which in it contained the actual first copy of the the Ten Commandments, they they took it upon themselves to say our job is to hide this and keep it wait, safe. Forever. Wait, the Holy Grail or the Ark of the Covenant? I'm I'm sorry. The the Ark of the Covenant. Okay. With the, inside inside. Is, is, okay. Is, yeah, yeah. Is is the other stuff. Got so it. they took it upon themselves to be able to be the protectors of this for generations. Huh. So they they first took it to an island, which is in the middle of a giant lake called Lake Tanya, which is they 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 they, uh, they call it a lake, but it's actually like an inland ocean. It is a massive massive body. Think think Great Lake style with an island right okay. in the middle of it. Now, the, so is this course, legend or is this like fact that this is where they took it originally? Legend. What, yeah, legend. this is okay. all, all legend. I mean, it's so long ago. It's a, it, most, and most of it's been uh, uh, passed down through oral tradition to these monks who still live on this island. Right now, Got there it. are a group of 125 monks. It's always at 125, and it's all male. And there was actually a reporter from the uh, from National Geographic that went to visit this island on an investigation into the story. And before, as the boat was approaching, like one of the the kind of guardians of the island had to go out to the boat to make sure that there and. and this is, you know, obviously sort of problematic, but there were no women on the boat because the men there have have vowed celibacy and made it their sole mission to kind of preserve these monasteries, which not only they say once hid the the Ark of the Covenant, but they also say that when Joseph and Mary were fleeing persecution from Herod, where they ended up hiding out for a period of time was on this island in the middle of this ocean in Ethiopia, which historically actually makes sense because their community had roots to that community there and if you're looking to hide out what better place than an island in the middle of a lake in the middle of ethiopia i don't think anyone was looking there at the time so it has the the roots back to the story of jesus but they said once people kind of got wise to this island they still wanted to preserve the monasteries there because according to legend jesus mary and joseph actually stayed on this island so they wanted to preserve the spot but they have been moving the 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 ark of the covenant and they moved it to a a small church. Now, now here's what's so interesting about the, these church. This church, uh, the church has an appointed a guardian monk. Okay, and this is I'm going to read. I'm going to read uh, 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 from from an article. The guardian monk is appointed for life by his predecessor before the predecessor dies. If the incumbent guardian dies without naming a successor, the monks of the monastery hold an election for the new guard. If you're elected the new guard, you are confined to the chapel for the rest of your life and can never leave and you're you're the only person on earth who can actually look at the ark of the covenant but the, the indiana trail. jones kind of ha- i mean had a had an old guardian guy and indiana jones kind of got this right they might have they might have ripped that off 
you know? Yeah. Like the, yeah, for real. Jones might've I know, been that's inspired what, by that story. But when I was reading like the real story, I'm like, dude, how has there not been more movies about this? Because it's, because yeah. the real story is more interesting than the, the, yeah. the Indiana Jones one, you know? And you explode if you look at it. Right. Yeah. Right. Your face will melt. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a pretty grisly, horrible death. Uh, you basically slowly turn to dust and terrify everyone. Here's what I love about this. According to the National Geographic story, it is said that these guardians have been trained to kill with their bare hands. Guys, this story has it all. This rabbit hole has adventures in Ethiopia, secret islands, ninja monks, ancient the Ark of the Covenant. Guys, no one no one knows about the story. No one cares about it. But is this not the most interesting story possibly in the world? Right? Right now i feel like you're stefan oh. telling us about the best new club in new york right now uh-huh. yeah <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's the end combat this this is the best it's got ninjas home. ark of the covenant monks yeah yeah how are people not more talking about this like so so hold on honey. what of this is actual fact we know these monks exist we yes. know there's a monastery is it fact that they're tra- like trained in ninja arts it, 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 it is fact, according to National Geographic, it, it, okay. it, it is fact they're trained. In An observable human. fact. Okay, yeah. so so and, that's and, what we know. All the other stuff is what we assume. Well, we also know that the that the the Christian and Jewish populations of Ethiopia date back centuries and centuries and centuries. And to Derek's point, is one of the first Christian communities. And what I there was an article in the Smithsonian Magazine that talked to some scholars that have had worked with this community for a long time. They said we've had thousands of years of Judaism followed by two thousand years of Christianity, and that's why our religion is rooted in the Old Testament. We follow the same dietary laws as Judaism, uh, as set out in Leviticus. Uh, you know, though the parents would would still you know kind of circumcise parents. It is this unique hybrid religious community that combines. Old Testament Judaism with modern teachings about Christianity. Everything about it is fascinating from like the historical lore to this hybrid kind of Christian Jewish community that's been there for thousands of years to a church guarded by ninja monks that might actually hold the Ark of the Covenant in the original <laughs> Ten Commandments. Super, super interesting, weird rabbit hole. But now, Kristen, me explaining this. Does this not make you want to forgo the Bachelor recapping and being a, 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 like an adventurer? What outfits would I wear? Good on question. The Good question. I Cargo- need to see wardrobe first before I can commit. Easy. Cargo shorts. Linen. Cool. I need linen. I'm These, feeling a linen vibe. I, I was thinking uh, the linen shirt. I think the yeah. I think the shorts is pretty the, the locked in deals thick khaki cargo. That's just the adventurer I, swag, you know. Okay, I'm gonna pass because I don't look good in cargo shorts. <laughs> it's not a good. I, look for I, me. I I feel like one of the things required for archaeological adventures is cargo shorts, and I I, feel, I, don't I agree know I with you, but it's not the right that. look for me. So that's I'm, fair I'm out. <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry. It's like it's, Shark Tank. Yeah, this adventure is going to be a no for me, dog. Yeah, uh, fair enough. Fair enough. But uh, this is something I've been thinking about, guys. It's something I actually think about a lot. And if, uh, I figured, Do, does the island accept visitors if you're male? I mean, can you visit the monastery? You can I? You, I think you have to make some uh, uh, arrangements beforehand. But I'm pretty sure they 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 accept tourism because some of the 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 monasteries there have you know real historical interest. Considering a lot of people think that Jesus, Mary, and Joseph actually stayed there at one point, so you can actually visit it. Yeah, I want how to how, visit it. Wow. I want you to go and report back. That's what I want to do too. I just yes. need someone to underwrite this trip for me. This yes. is where I'm all getting at with the job intro. <laughs> who I, I'm challenging listeners out there right now. Yeah, you know, like I to feel like I bring a lot of value. Like if there's any TV producers, I gave you a great idea with undercover mega pastor. The least you can do <laughs> is send a, me on a film crew to go check out this island and fight one of these ninjas okay <laughs> all, all you I need to do you is fight one of the ninjas That'd be a bad no idea. you you need to befriend the ninja and somehow no, trick it, the, the ninja you fails. ain't gonna fight the ninja okay but here's the thing could you imagine being that poor guardian like hey listen got great news you've got chosen and you're like oh great just what i wanted to sit cool. inside a church every day forever like that's the whole job it's just to hang out there you know jesse i feel like if you went and like painted a wall and did a vbs you could call it a mission trip yep. and then you could raise support for your trip 
that's there. a great that's a great idea Send I mean, yeah I, I, i'll do like a quick human video just to yeah. kind of you know check the boxes and mm-hmm. then yeah find a school paint up a paint up an old fence or a door mm-hmm. and i'll just send letters to all my parents friends and see if they exactly. can get me out on the road you know it, it works I like it. i've heard yeah, it's we're, we're, taking shape so are there any like is there any place any our listeners can go to explore this uh story for themselves Yes, I would. I would suggest that the 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 Daily Beast has run an interesting article. So is the Atlantic. But my two favorites are one called "The Keepers of the Lost Ark," which ran in Smithsonian Magazine, and "In Search of the Real Queen of Sheba: Legends and Rumors Trailed the Elusive Queen Sheba Through the Rock Hewn Wonders and Rugged Hills of Ethiopia." That ran in National Geographic and has a lot of information about that too. So, interesting, really interesting story. Uh, and if you want to distract yourself from the chaos of the world, it's it's really kind of fun to read about there's a pretty good start to what's jesse thinking oh i love it a lot more where that's coming from <laughs> each week i guarantee you many thanks to uh pete doctor for joining us go check out soul it's available right now on disney plus and we have a long feature with pete and pixar uh in the new issue of relevant which debuted this week you can go check it out at relevantmagazine.com we have a cover story with pharrell we have this story with pete doctor and a lot of other great content go check it out right now it's available for free at relevantmagazine.com on that note we'll wrap things up i'm cameron strang I'm Jesse Carey. I'm Derek Miner. I'm Kristen Howerton. And we will see you all on Tuesday. Kristen will be joining us one more time. Have a great weekend, everyone. Thanks for listening to The Relevant Podcast. Check out our features, interviews, and news updates every day at relevantmagazine.com. And make sure to follow Relevant on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for the latest. For more great podcasts, browse the shows on the Relevant Podcast Network, which you can find at our site. And while you're there, don't miss the all-new era of Relevant Magazine. A new issue releases every other month at RelevantMagazine.com. This adventure is going to be a no for me, dog. Relevant Podcast Network. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM.